Good morning. Welcome here today. Uh, we're in a great moment in history right now because as we sit uh, in the pandemic, we are starting to see the end and starting to see that things just might get back to normal. And I think for, for me, for where I sit, for where I live, this is so exciting because hope is out there. You know, hope is something where their life can change, where we're going to go from distance learning to summer vacation, at which point things are going to be open and we're going to get to go do stuff again. We're going to get to go to parks. We're going to we're gonna get to travel. I saw that one of the cruise liners, one of the big name cruise liners who's been absolutely flatlined through this whole thing, their August reservations are up 600% over normal because everybody's so excited that we might be able to actually go out and do something. Like we're filled with hope because something can actually change. I look at my own house and how distance learning is going within the walls of our home and graduation rates are going to go through the roof. That's something that's going to change. We're going to look at the kids who are already doing well and say, you're doing great. Move on. Next year, summer vacation. Here we go. And then we're going to look at my son and say, this is not working out well. You, your studies are no longer welcome here. You should take your talents scholastically somewhere else because you've been expelled. Expulsion rates are going to go through the roof. And so where we sit right now, it's easy for us to look at some areas of our life and say, things are going to change. It's going to get better. But there's also areas in all of our lives, and for some of you, it's more than others, a bigger part of your life, where you look at hope and you just think, man, hope can't touch that anymore. Not even hope can fix that. Not even my faith in God about what he could do, or, or if you don't have faith in God, the idea that God would actually get into your life and actually do something, that's far from reality for you. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at another instance, another life where there is always hope for change. And the thing about the person we're looking at today, we don't even know their name. We know her husband's name, but we have no clue who she is. We're going to be in the book of Judges 13. Judges is the seventh book in the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and then Judges. We're going to be in chapter 13, and we're going to look at the life of Manoah's wife and the way that God comes in and completely changes everything once again. So we're going to start. We're going to actually read the whole chapter today. You can pause right now and go get your Bible or bring it up on your device and follow along with me. Judges 13, here we go. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Philistines who oppressed them for 40 years. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. Then his wife was unable to become pregnant, and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and will give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut. For he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. The woman ran and told her husband, A man of God appeared to me. He looked like one of God's angels, terrifying to see. I didn't ask where he was from, and, I, and he didn't tell me his name. But he told me, You will become pregnant and give birth to a son. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink or eat any forbidden food, for your son will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from the moment of his birth until the day of his death. What we see right here is hope is greater than your situation. The hope that we have, that you and I can put in God, is greater than our situation. I mean, I look at the wife, and she's oppressed nationally because her country, Israel, is under the domination and of the control of the Philistines. She's oppressed personally because her marriage, as we're going to see, is not great. 
She's also oppressed social, socially and spiritually because in that day, there weren't people who just didn't have kids. If you had a problem getting pregnant in that day, people looked at you and said, there must be something that you're doing wrong where God hasn't blessed you with a child yet. And she's carrying all these things. And I look at her and I see that there's no reason for her to be singled out. There's no reason that God would move into her life because of her situation. She is, she's a non-factor in so many different ways. But God moves in. And if we have the idea of God that, that he's too busy, he's too stressed out, he's got so many things, to notice somebody small like me, like where you are right now as you sit right now in your house, then this story doesn't work. What this story begins to show us is that regardless of how small we think we are, we can't control how big God's scope and God's love and God's ability to zoom in on individual lives and make a difference in individual lives. We can't control that. We're loved, we're blessed, we're watched in a good way by a God who loves us and is our hope that we put in him is so much bigger than our situation. So the fact that God would zoom in on this one woman from a tiny tribe living in a country that can't even make its own rules, it's one of the many surprises that God begins to bring through this story. And the next one, it's the type of thing that kind of throws us for a little bit of a loop, that it takes what started at the beginning of the story and makes us sit back and scratch our heads. The woman goes, she tells her husband, and then it says in verse 8, Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, saying, Lord, please let the man of God come back to us again and give us more instructions about this son who is to be born. What we see right here is hope in God is greater than our preferences. Hope in God is greater than your preferences. Manoah, the, the woman's husband, wanted to hear this good news his way. The way of having a woman explain it to him, it wasn't something that worked for him because he wanted it his way. He didn't want the way that it was offered. He wanted it his way. In our world right now, there are so many decisions that we make, so many ways that we organize our lives around our preferences, all right? Are you American League and for the DH, or are you National League and against the DH? Are you iPhone, or are you Android? Are you anti-vax, or like all permanent, everybody gets a vax? You know, are you CNN News, and that's where you get all your information? Or are you Fox News, and that's where you get all your information? You know, if we're talking about all this news and where we're watching things and learning things, has anybody warned the Amish what's going on? Like, they need to know just like everybody else. And sometimes God speaks to us and surprises us by speaking completely against our preferences. He surprises us and he shocks us and, and reminds us of his love for us by completely abandoning our preferences and going right at what we need to hear through a way that we need to hear it, but are totally closed off to it. And I think that's what happens right here, is God has a message that he wants to get to Manoah. So he finds the, the most awkward way, the most against the way that Manoah would like to hear the message possible, and that's how he communicates it, and it's through his wife. I think there are so many things in our life right now where we're being led in a way that is ultimately good for us, but it's totally against the way that we would like to do it. I've said it a lot at Sunnyside. My family is a family of extroverts. As I stand here right now, I think I am, the la I am the quiet one in my family. And we are all confined together in the same house without any hope of anybody going to school or in anybody going to work anytime soon. We are just there. 
And what it's caused to happen is that we've grown in so much more love and appreciation uh, and understanding and joy together as a family. It's not the way we would have expected it. It's not the way that we would have wanted it. But that's one of the things that's happening through this is our family is stronger. We love spending time together more this year than we did last year at this time. And it took something that we didn't expect and would never have asked for. But it got us here. I think when we're in moments like this and we don't understand the way that God is doing things, the, the thing to remember, the cliche to remember to attach to it, the saying is that when we can't trust the work of God's hands, we can trust God's heart. What's God's heart for you and me? Is that there are going to be things that you and I walk through. We might not like the journey all the time, but we're going to like the destination. We're going to enjoy the fact that our lives grow closer to God, even if it means, means that we walk through difficulty. We walk through seasons where life wouldn't have happened the way that we wanted it. But the end result is something so much better than we could ever ask. So that's what happens to Manoah. He gets good news. He gets hope that's greater than his preferences. And he does something that completely bothers me. Like I read this and I'm thinking, man, you, this is not going to end well for you. He asks the angel to come back. He wants another shot for this to happen his way. God jumps into his life, gives him great news. And his thing is, you know what? I want you to do it again. Tell the story again, but this time do it my way. This sounds sinful. This sounds like he's putting himself above God and refusing to just follow God and follow the things that God puts right in front of him and puts in his lap. What he sees is that hope is greater than your fear that your past won't stay in the past. He sees that hope is greater than your fear that your past won't stay in the past. Like he makes this request. He wants the angel of God to come back and to say this one more time. And there's no guarantee that it's going to happen. There's no guarantee that God is actually going to listen to his request. Like if I was God, I would just look at it and say, no, delete. You don't get that. Your wife got the message. You just need to learn and never make requests like that again. And it's really easy to sit there in my shoes or in your shoes and look at the guy and say, you made a horrible decision. Never do that again. Move on. But when we're in that position, it's totally different. You know, when we're asking God and praying out to God and crying out to God, Man, I, I want a second chance in my marriage. I messed up the first time. God, I sinned against my spouse. I sinned against you. I sinned against my kids. God, I want a second chance in my marriage. I want a second chance in my career. I want a second chance in my finances. I want a second chance for me to actually walk away from the addictions that I've run my life being controlled by. I need a second chance for that. I want my kids to have the second chance that I didn't get. I want them to grow up holier and more, and more wise and loving you better than I did. You know, when we pray those prayers, we're, we're in Manoah's shoes. We're asking, God, I know I don't deserve it, but because of your grace and your love poured out over my life, God, I'm asking for a second chance. So verse 9, God answers Manoah's prayer. And the angel of God appeared once again to his wife and she, as she was sitting in the field. But her husband Manoah was not with her. So she quickly ran and told her husband, The man who appeared to me the other day is here again. And Manoah ran back with his wife and asked, Are you the man who spoke to my wife the other day? Yes, he replied, I am. And so Manoah asked him, 
When your words come true, what kind of rules should govern the boy's life and work? And the angel of the Lord replied, be sure that your wife follows the instructions I gave her. She must not eat grapes or raisins, drink wine or any other alcoholic drink or eat any forbidden food. Like he gets exactly what he hoped for. He asks God, send the angel back again. Let's hear the message again. And he gets it exactly as he asked for. It's another crucial surprise from God in here. And placing our hope in Jesus, in a relationship with Jesus, it gives us a language, it gives us a framework to be able to interpret Manoah's situation. It gives us a framework and a language to interpret our past and to explain our past. Because hope in Jesus is bigger than our fear that our past won't always stay in the past. Because all of us standing before God have a past. In this situation, it's real easy to see what he did wrong. It's so easy. Like, don't doubt God. Listen to the people who said, I have heard directly from God. This is what God showed up and told me today. Don't think so much of yourself that, that everything has to fit into your little boxes. And Manoah has a past. We have a past. And beyond our past, we are loved by a God who chose us, who saw us, who has witnessed every single moment of our lives and loves us. And within that love, there's an understanding of our past. Because all of us have done things at one point or another that hurt ourselves, that hurt other people, or that hurt God. And what that does is that separates us from God because of our sin. Because of the things that we've done that hurt God or hurt ourselves or hurt others. And God can't be in the presence of sin, which means God can't be in the presence of us. So what God did that was so foundation and so world-changing was God took on skin and in the person of Jesus, he lived a life without ever hurting God, without ever hurting other people, without ever hurting himself. He lived a life without sinning. And what the Bible reminds us of, the story that launched the Bible is the fact that God with skin on Jesus died a penalty, died a death penalty that would cover all of our sins so that we could be made right with God because of Jesus. That's the source of our hope. That's the end of our hope. That's, that's the culmination of our hope is that because of Jesus, we can have a relationship with God, that our past is gonna be wiped away, that we have a hope that's bigger than the fact, bigger than the fear that our past might not stay our past but could always bleed into our presence. And if you're here today and you've never began that relationship, you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, to forgive you of your sins, to make you into a new person, I want to give you that chance today. You're saying, Jesus, I put my hope in you. My hope that's greater than my situation. My hope that's greater than my preferences. A hope that's greater than the fear that my past isn't always going to stay in my past. I put that hope in you. There's a number at the bottom of the screen. and You can text your name to that number and just say, I want to meet Jesus. So for me, it would say, Ken, I want to meet Jesus. And you type it to the number at the bottom of the screen, and today someone's going to call you and pray for you and lead you into giving your life to Jesus, and it'll be the best decision that you could ever make. And the last thing we see, the end of the story, is that hope is greater than your self-worship. Hope is greater than your self-worship. Verse 15, Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please stay here until we can prepare a young goat for you to eat. I will stay, the angel of the Lord replied, but I won't eat anything. However, you may prepare a burnt offering as a sacrifice to the Lord. And Manoah didn't realize that it was the angel of the Lord. And then Manoah asked the angel of the Lord, what's your name? For when all this comes true, we want to honor you. 
Why do you ask me my name? The angel of the Lord replied. It's too wonderful for you to understand. Then Manoah took a young goat and a grain offering, and he offered it on a rock as a sacrifice to the Lord. And as Manoah and his wife watched, the Lord did an amazing thing. As the flames from the altar shot up toward the sky, the angel of the Lord ascended in the fire. And when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell with their faces to the ground. And the angel didn't appear again to Manoah and his wife. Manoah finally realized that it was the angel of the Lord, and he said to his wife, We will certainly die, for we have seen God. But his wife said, If the Lord were going to kill us, he wouldn't have accepted our burnt offering and grain offering. He wouldn't have appeared to us and told us this wonderful thing and done these miracles. When her son was born, she named him Samson, and the Lord blessed him as he grew up. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he lived uh, in Meneadon, which is located between the towns of Zorah and Eshtol. Like it's greater, this is a hope that is greater than our self-worship. And God puts an exclamation at the end of the story, an exclamation point to remind Manoah and his wife that what you're seeing is so much bigger than anything you could create on your own. And Manoah and his wife, their response is worship. They can't look at this. They can't go through this situation, go back to their own hut, go back to life and say, you know what, you and I are pretty awesome. Because you read the story, you see the details, you see what's happening in this, and it's so much bigger than any human could ever create. The angel of the Lord moves into their life, blesses them with something that they could not control on their own, and then miraculously leaves in a way that cannot be duplicated on their own. And what we see in Jesus here, what we see in God here, is a power, is a love, is an intimacy that is so big and so specific and so loving that it draws us to worship. The thing about a relationship with Jesus is it's not just something that's going to make us feel better about our life. It's going to be something that's going to draw us and push us to bring every single part of us, every single part of us and put it at Jesus' feet and say, I can't control this. I want you to control this. It's too big for me. I want your best. I don't want to live on my best anymore. And so this story of Manoah and his wife and the undeterred faith of a woman whose name we don't even know reminds us of the fact that God is greater than our situation. He's greater than our preferences. He's greater than our fear that our past won't stay our past. And he's so great that it draws us away from self-worship to worshiping God. It draws us away from us running our own lives and instead puts our lives in God's hands. And nine months later, God delivers on his promise. There's a baby born, a baby who's gonna grow up to bring freedom to his people. It's God's way of announcing that your situation, your past, your failures are smaller than the hope that I can bring to your life. They're smaller than the change that I can bring to your life. And that doesn't mean that our past is always going to stay in our past. It doesn't mean that everything is always going to be up and to the right from here on out. You know, as we've seen these last few months as our world has gotten flipped upside down, what it shows us is that through every single situation, our hope is not anchored in ourselves. Our hope isn't anchored in what we can control. It's not anchored in what you and I can go out and produce and then bring home and deposit into our bank account. It's not anchored in that. 
It's anchored in the fact that even through the darkest night, even through the worst possible outcome, that if we put our hope in Jesus, we are no longer anchoring it in ourselves. We're anchoring it in his unending care, compassion, and God-sided control where he sees our future better than we do. And he says, I'm going to lead you to myself the best way possible. It might not be the way that you thought that 2020 would go. But if you follow me, you're going to get to a destination that's better than you could ever imagine. If you're here today and you're looking at, you know, the future and maybe things opening up and you're filled with hope, that's great. If you're watching this and you're thinking about, man, that's not my life because I don't see a reason for hope, then we want to pray with you. I want you to text your name and just write hope at the end of it. So for me, it would say, Ken Hope, sent to the numbers at the bottom of the screen, and someone today is going to call you and pray for you. They're going to pray for the God of the universe, the God who appeared to two people who were no one, who spoke through a woman who even her own husband didn't believe her. We're going to pray for that God to invade your life and fill you with hope this season. Next week, I invite you to come back, tune in again next Sunday because we're going to see what happens with the life of this baby who was born on a promise, born out of hope. Let's go back into worship.